Hi, I'm Rick Tittle, and this is the Rick Tittle Podcast on the 8Side Network. Join me as I get busy with the biggest names in sports and entertainment. Welcome back to Sports Byline USA, coast-to-coast, border-to-border, and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. 500 outlets, 177 countries, and we're uh, very happy now to uh, welcome uh, Paul Reiser on the phone. He's a stand-up comedian at Cobb's Friday and Saturday night right here in San Francisco out in North Beach on Columbus Street. But, of course, you know Paul from his TV roles and especially his movie roles as well. And it's funny, Paul, all the things that you've done, the first thing that popped into my head when I heard Paul Reiser was aliens. Fair enough. <laughs> and Fair enough. Is it a backhanded compliment when no. someone when someone says, hey, you'll be perfect to be the slimy corporate guy? <laughs> uh, no, you know, it's funny. I had no idea how um, wide a following that movie still has. About a year ago, and we made that in 19... 19- 85, I think, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, yeah, exactly. And last year they had a little uh, reunion, one of these Comic Con or Sci Fi Con things, and they got the whole cast of Aliens together. And people were coming from literally all over the world with questions and memorabilia and things and stuff to sign. And and one guy said, "Oh, I've watched it every Saturday for the last 30 years." And I, <laughs> I couldn't help but think, "You you got to get out of the house." <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed the picture, but yeah, that that little girl. What is she? Forty now? Yeah, I just saw her. It's so funny. She lives up in up in uh, in Northern California, and I saw her not long ago. Uh, she yeah, married with kids, and <laughs> and uh, doesn't have that little British accent that she seemed to have. <laughs> and uh, but still scared of me, which made me uh, proud. Maybe she'll roll down to Cobb's. You know what? That would be nice. That would be nice. Now you say you're you're broadcast into 175 countries. Uh, well, 177 counting the U.S. Yes, and um, the uh, the troops are listening. The people that keep us safe, Paul. I am honored to be uh, involved, and hopefully in the entertainment entertainment of these said troops. Now, interesting enough, well said, by the way. But interestingly enough, like when I heard that you're doing stand up again, and I know that's how you got your start. Yeah. Is it kind of a full circle thing, or is it just something that it's always been in your blood and you just... You, you... Yeah, no, I, I, it's funny. I always, I set out to be a comedian, and I got really lucky, and the first movie I ever did was a movie called Diner, which mm-hmm. really opened a lot of doors, and suddenly I was able, I was doing TV shows and, and been doing films, but in my head, I always wanted to get back to stand-up, and, and uh, for various reasons, I just kept avoiding it or, or postponing it. And then about two, three years ago, I, I suddenly thought, you know, it's not going to happen unless you do it. So I, I did, so as you say, full circle. I called up, started all over again. And I called up a club that I work here in L.A. and said, can we just come down, just like I did when I was 18, and, and came down. And Although now I didn't have to wait online, which was a nice plus. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, started with the material. And I, it was instantly so much fun. And I was sorry that I hadn't gotten back sooner because there is nothing more fun than getting out in front of people and, and just working live. You know, it's immediate. It's, it's, it's honest. You don't have to do testing. You don't have to wait for studios. You just get up there, tell what you think is funny. People laugh and you go home. It's a really simple deal. Well, and then when you make a movie, you have no idea until opening night what the reaction is going to yeah. be. And this is immediate. They love you or hate you. Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully they don't hate you. That's bad. <laughs> That's considered a bad night. <laughs> Um, when you think when you think back though, and and you know whether it's lately or when you were starting off in college, 
Is there a room or a set that you did that just you you couldn't wait to get over with? I mean, everybody has that bad night. Yeah, can you can you remember yeah. one especially? I remember nineteen eight early eighties, and I was I had been doing this like you know a minute, and uh, I was oh big job. I was opening for Melissa Manchester. Wow, and. Uh, and I was doing a tour with her, and they were all great. And then one night she said, this was uh, up in the Catskill Mountains back in New York. Mm-hmm. Notoriously tough, demanding audience. She said, listen, uh, it's going to be a little rough tonight. Don't get thrown. I said, oh, I'll be fine. She says, well, just so you know, the guy last year left the stage crying. <laughs> I said, no, I'll be fine. <laughs> and about a minute in, I went, oh, this is going to be quite bad, quite bad. But I knew I couldn't, I couldn't get off because I had to do my 20 minutes while she gets ready. Mm-hmm. And I think I slugged, I stayed in the ring you know, maybe 17 minutes, and then said, that's it. I walked off, and there was Melissa Manchester, fully ready in a gown, saying, I was here the whole time. I didn't think you'd last that long. <laughs> <laughs> they all wanted to hear, don't it make my brown eyes blue, right? There you go. No, 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 that was, uh, who was that? That was, uh, uh... That wasn't Melissa Manchester? That was, uh, that was, oh, that was uh, Crystal Gale. Hair, uh, Crystal Gale. Gale. What was Crystal Melissa Gale. Manchester? Melissa Manchester was, uh, don't cry out loud. Don't and, cry uh, out loud. Yeah, yeah see, I'm 49, so, yeah, I now you know remember. What I did? And we we suddenly we've just become uh, met up again now in the second uh, second uh, stage of life and, and we I actually got to write a song with her which was great fun and I actually it's interesting to be on the air on in the armed services radio I did a, I did an album uh, I, I'm I'm a musician but I don't really I don't play out in a public I just myself but I, I've always been uh, writing but I did an album about three years ago with a wonderful singer named Julia Fordham. And we did a song called Unsung Heroes, which was a, a tribute to uh, military families. And uh, and we got a really nice reaction. And, 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 and we actually, you know, it was inspired by a, a friend of Julia's whose son was was serving overseas. And, and was talking about how you just don't know when when and when your loved one is coming home, and and just the burden of the family is really what keeps. I mean, is really often unsung, and the family at home is what often keeps everyone afloat and keeps you gives you something to to try and wake up another day. So uh, anybody wants to Google, and the, the Department of Defense gave us this wonderful footage. They they loved that uh, we were doing it, and they gave us this great videos. And, and so there's a video on YouTube. You can look it up, Unsung Heroes, Julia Fordham and, and uh, me, and, and uh, just a little, a, little, uh, a little salute and a little love sent that way to uh, all the families out there. Well, well done. And, and you know, they, uh, they do say that uh, for the families, you know, that even though they're, they're, they're men and women are in harm's way, that in a way they say it's easier on them because they know what's happening to them. And, and meanwhile, they go back, you go, you go about yeah. your daily you life know, here and you don't and, know. And the numbers are so, you know, for every, everybody overseas, there's husbands, there's wives, there's children, there's loved ones. There's, you know, many uh, who, whose lives are impacted in very straining ways. So, uh, yeah, so it, uh, we thought the, the title Unsung Heroes was a, was a perfectly apt name. Well, Paul, you mentioned singing, and I'm just thinking about your, your range of your talents here, because there are a lot of comedians that want to be serious actors and, and vice versa, and very early on, you get this dramatic role in, in Diner, and it was it was more kind of serious slash lighthearted role, yeah. but uh, th- very early on, people said, well, this guy can do anything. Well, it's funny, you know, I, I never, I always love movies that are both funny and dramatic, and, and you know... It, People think dramatic doesn't mean it has to be Shakespeare, and it doesn't have to be, you know, just gut wrenching. I, I, you know, I think of guys like you know, like Tom Hanks or like Jack Lemmon in, in, in the older school, who, 
who or Peter Falk, who were beautifully and powerfully uh, uh, connected and in, in, in connecting and in, in impactful in dramatic roles, but terrifically funny when they need to be. And to me, it's always a very fine line that you know you can if you can move back and forth. That's really a great place to be. So I've been lucky. Yeah, I've been lucky to get to do uh, roles that are com- comic and a lot that are not. But what's it's funny now because you know most people if they. You know, after Mad About You, I was mostly known for that. And a lot of people will come see me now and go, oh, I didn't know you did stand-up comedy. I went, well, it's so funny to me because, I mean, it's fair because I haven't been out there in a while. Mm. But that's what I, you know, that's what I consider myself. And that's what I've always, uh, that's what I love doing. So it's really been fun to get out there and, and perform again. That's Paul Reiser. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back with Paul. Remember, he is at Cobbs here in San Francisco Friday and Saturday. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Sports Byline. Welcome back to Sports Byline USA, coast to coast and around the world on AFN, and I'm a FAN of the troops. Very happy to have Paul Reiser with us. He's going to spend another segment with us, and Paul is in town here in San Francisco doing stand-up comedy where he got his start, and he's back on stage at Cobb's Comedy Club Friday and Saturday. Before we went to the break, Paul, you mentioned Matt about you, and uh, of course that that was the big, big hit, and I think about the relationship you had with Helen Hunt on the screen and if you don't mind me asking what was it like off because I just assume you guys were great friends yeah yeah you know it's uh we we were and I think the reason the show worked is because we got along so well we had really very similar almost identical tastes you know it used to be funny when we get a script and we would just talk and we would both hand in our suggestions would almost always be identical and it was one of those lucky things where uh when we were just writing the show, and I had no idea who I was going to, uh, who uh, who it could be playing the wife. Mm-hmm. And my wife's friend was also friends with Helen Hunt, and we got invited to a little dinner party. Mm-hmm. And uh, I met her. This is like a couple of months before we made the show. I thought, ooh, this this is exactly kind of right. I asked my wife. I said, well, I wonder if she was playing you. She said, perfect. So there you go. So it, it kind of it really worked out well. And uh, yeah, we got along terrifically. Still. Still, still, good friend, very close. You know, you spend a lot of you spend a lot of years, <laughs> a lot of hours <laughs> when you're in a TV show. I mean, you, you see your cast members and crew more than you see your family. So right. It's a, yeah, you better get along. Well, I think Helen and I are around the same age, and I the first time I saw her was there was an ABC after school special <laughs> yeah. where she played this girl who like cut herself, or there was some real. She was oh, full of oh, rage. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? I know. I remember there was the the, the football, the cheerleader, or something. <laughs> it was it was something whole, bad. She was like the little queen of that when in her mm-hmm. late teens. <laughs> yeah, no, I I don't think I was on the Helen Hunt train at that point. <laughs> you may you may have me beat. Not too bad. All right, uh, I want to also ask you. I, I mean, I know you've been on uh, the Letterman show, and uh, he just wrapped it up. Yeah. Last week, and uh, just I don't know, just uh, maybe an anecdote of, of a day. But I know he, you know, wasn't the most. Uh, Interactive guy with his guests, but uh, anything about well, going you know, on? It was, I don't think I don't know that I had any memorable moments being on the show. I mean, the first time I got on it, you know, he was it was a different vibe than with Johnny Carson. Mm-hmm. I mean, Carson was it was a real uh, you got accredited, you know, when you got when you got his approval, sort right. of like a very paternal thing. And Dave was the was the hip cool cat, and you really want it's a different thing. You want his approval, but it wouldn't necessarily be the same thing as that. Uh, got his approval, and my recollection is always it was always the uh, surprising turn that 
was the memorable thing. If you did something off script or he made fun of you and you answered back, you know, uh, is the, the ad-libs were always the most fun. And uh, just like with Carson, it was a great day if you can go home and say, okay, I really made Dave laugh today. That's a good feeling because he was, he was so good at what he did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, you know, sorry to see him off the air because we'll miss him, but uh, he certainly, 33 years, he certainly gave it a good shot. And another show that I love here, Curb Your Enthusiasm, and I, I wish Larry David would do another season. Uh, how did you get involved with that? You know, I just did one episode of that, and mm-hmm. uh, I, don't know, I was like a Tuesday, and he said, can you be here tomorrow? I went, sure. It was one of those <laughs> things. It was funny because it was, it was only one episode and I think one or two scenes. And in the scene, uh, I was having dinner with this actress playing my wife, a character mm-hmm. called but. That show, everybody assumes it's so real that for years people were confused and they would see that actress and they say, "Oh, you're married to Paul Rush." No, no, that's, I was sort of. I guess a credit. To, you know, people say that's not his wife, but it was a credit to Larry. I think he his people. It was something he connects. That show connects with people in such a real way. So I would imagine, Paul, with all the things you've done uh, after all these decades, you get you're one of those guys that people say, "Wait a minute, don't tell me I know you," and then they go through the whole litany and they're like, "You're the guy who." You're the guy from the thing. <laughs> the guy from the thing. I think yeah. On my on my Twitter page, which I I, I went uh, screaming and kicking, resisting and being a Twitterer. Mm-hmm. But you know, you write your little uh, who who you are, and I think I, I forgot exactly what it says. I think about <laughs> the guy from the, you know the guy from the thing with the thing, <laughs> because that's good enough. I'll take it. Well, and then how about your your latest movie, uh, an Oscar winning movie, Whiplash? Yeah, and I remember, I, yeah, I turned that on and I'm like. Hey, yeah, it's it's, it's, great, it's Paul Reiser. Film. There you were. Yeah, it was a great movie, and uh, it, it's it was one of those where you, you know, for a movie to make it, it, it takes so much luck, and so many things have to go right. And that was a great script and a brilliant director, and and, uh, and uh, I was really happy to be involved. And the fact that it found its audience was great. If anybody hasn't seen it, go check it out. It's it's really it's really a two hander between two great Miles Teller and, and J.K. Simmons and. I, I play uh, his uh, J- Miles's dad, so but it's it's a really intense little movie, and it's a nice reminder. You know, when you I just uh, uh, <laughs> took my son to see the Avengers the other day, mm-hmm. and and like and there's so much production and and crashing, and after about five minutes, I go, okay, I get it, things explode, okay, I get it, and you see a movie <laughs> with none of that. And it can be as intense, and even more so when it's just two people on screen. You don't need. Uh, as much commotion and action for for a film to really be gripping. No doubt. We're speaking with Paul Reiser. A couple more minutes with Paul. He is in town here at stand-up comedy uh, at Cobb's Friday and Saturday. And, you know, I was thinking about what, just as you were talking there, the, the Mad About You thing, when when it was like the number one show and and, and, and you and, and, and Helen are making, you know, good cash on that. And I'm thinking about Seinfeld because he said, I saw him do stand-up here in Oakland about a month ago at the Paramount Theater. Uh-huh. And, he said, you know, you couldn't get any bigger than what I was. I wouldn't really have to be doing this. I do it just because yeah. I love it. And I, I guess for you, you really don't have to work, but you just, this is something that you love doing, right? Well, Jerry sends me checks every month, so I don't have to. <laughs> uh, no, it, it really, it was never, it was, certainly wasn't a, a career move, and it wasn't for money. It was It was sim- simply, uh, as I said, something I'd always wanted to do. And, and as I, it was where I started. So I had intended to get back, and I, I, I'm so glad I finally did. And but the irony is, the minute I started doing stand-up, suddenly all these other things started coming up. And <laughs> I've been working on films and doing this 
this new movie with Will Smith uh, called Concussion, which comes out in in, uh, in December, which is about the NFL concussion scandal, wow. the controversy, and and uh, so it's really it's it, it, as you said before, it is full circle. The minute I started doing stand up, uh, all these other things started happening too. So it's been a fun, busy time, but uh, I'm really looking forward. San Francisco has always been. Uh, just to me, it's. You know, I grew up in New York, and to me, San Francisco was like New York, just a little cleaner and more polite. <laughs> <laughs> a little and a little bit, just a teeny bit smaller. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's it's always a great time. I'm looking forward, and uh, if you're there, come on down and say hi. All right, just one more question for you. Yeah. Uh, we talked about your your singing, your dramatic I don't roles. Sing. Hold it. Don't sing. I, I wrote songs, but I, people have asked me not to sing. <laughs> been, it's been discouraged. <laughs> Songwriting, I should say. Yeah. But but speaking of writing, uh, an author of, of of more than one book. Um, when how did, what was the genesis of your uh, author? I've written three books and I've read twelve. So just to give you an idea, <laughs> of the, the catcher range. in the rye. Yeah. Fun. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, the first book I wrote was uh, when Mad About You was on the air. I wrote a book called Couplehood, which was really of the same kind of vibe as, as Mad About You, is all stuff about being a couple. And then it sort of progressed when we had our first kid, we, and uh, there's, a, there's plenty of funny stuff, and, and uh, tear your hair out stuff about having a uh, baby. And uh, and then uh, after a bunch of years, uh, I wrote another called The Familyhood, which was, you know, when you, when you have kids, there's, it was a very different point in my life, you know, now in my 50s, you have a not that you necessarily know more, but you think you do. So you're, uh, that was that was really my favorite, actually, and, and family the most recent because there's a, a lot of stuff when you have kids and you you're closer to your being 90 than you are to being 20. You suddenly have a different take on life. <laughs> I, I lied. I have one more question for you, and that is when you when you look at your whole resume. Uh, so to speak, is there is there one thing that's your favorite? Like maybe you say, "Oh man, Odd Jobs." That was my favorite. <laughs> no, but that's so funny to say that because I, I that was a movie that I always thought was just horrendous, and so many people, people I respect too, will come over and go, "Oh man, that was my favorite movie as a kid." I'm going, "You got to be kidding me!" That I did. You know what? My favorite. I actually did um, a little movie ten years ago with Peter Falk that I wrote, and I wrote it for Peter Falk, and he mm-hmm. played my father. It's called The Thing About My Folks. And that was sort of a dream come true, because I adored and uh, sort of idolized Peter Falk and getting to work with him. And, and the movie was sort of autobiographical about me and my father. So uh, that was uh, sort of a, a, a wonderful memory. And and, uh, and I tell people, if they haven't seen it, go go uh, watch it and, and enjoy Peter's performance, the late, late great Peter Falk. To, to me, his uh, opus really was The the In-Laws with Alan Arkin. Oh, man. That One movie. of the funniest movies ever. Oh, my gosh, that movie was great. Sure was. Serpentine, Sal, Serpentine. <laughs> Listen, uh, we want to make sure everybody who's in town here in San Francisco or who can uh, fly in from the American Forces Network can see Paul Reiser. He's at uh, Cobb's uh, Friday and Saturday night right here. Hey, Paul, uh, great uh, having you on the show. Thank you so much. Great talking to you. Yeah, hopefully down the line we'll get to catch up again. I will look forward. All right, man. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thank you. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break. We'll come on back and we'll get into sports talk. Yes, trust me, we'll get into some sports talk. 1-800-878-PLAY is the number to call. 1-800-878-7529. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back. You're listening to the Rick Tittle Podcast on the 8Side Network. Stay tuned for more. But it's great to welcome back to the show um, yet again, uh, comedian and actor T.J. Miller. He's going to be starting a uh, run of shows at Helium Portland tomorrow night. He's got one tomorrow. He's got two Friday to Saturday as well, all part of the Uncle Bulbous tour. And uh, TJ, welcome back to the show. And I just got to say, uh, we here uh, totally whiffed when you came 
to town because we were going to call you and then you left and then we, my boss said we forgot to call him. So it was our bad. We missed out on you. Oh, God, you have to understand. I am so happy to be on the radio with you guys. I did another uh, radio interview this morning and it was just the worst one I've done in years. So I'm just excited to be on air with you guys. You know, can you can may I ask what was bad about it? They didn't understand any of my jokes. I think as far as the sense of humor goes, I don't know if you can have a negative sense of humor. You know, some people don't have a sense of humor, <laughs> but they may have had sort of a negative level sense. They were making other people around them less funny. So it's just, I was just trying to, um, you know, make some jokes and they just didn't get that at all. And they asked one or two questions that were fairly inappropriate. So, you know, the thing is, I am so thankful for the times that I'm on with uh, great people, uh, like a little bit of tittle. I like a little tittle. Thank you. And, um, you know, so I uh, I just have to be on with you guys. So, yeah, I'm sorry we whiffed last time, but we're here now, and I'm excited to go to Portland and, and yuck it up uh, for one of the states that's been closed and and is just now opening up, you know, fairly recently, all things considered. Instead of uh, Florida, for instance, where there, it, these, nothing's going on. There's nothing wrong. It's just, <laughs> you know, apparently some people have a cold and, and die from it. But outside of that, let's party <laughs> Tennessee. Yeah, they had a really bad colds uh, going through those nursing homes, huh? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I don't know what they would have done. You can't wear a mask because it gets in the way of breathing on people. Well, it gets in the way of your freedom. I mean, let's face it. Yeah, let's face it. Let's stop thinking that this is not a... This is a freedom issue, and <laughs> let's take away these abortion rights and, and you know, stay, stay on target with the no-mask policy. <laughs> but it's been great. You know, I started um, touring, uh, actually it'll be a year in September, so I was one of the first people to start touring, um, and I call it the crazy tour because mm -hmm. I just could only go to places that were, uh, you know, crazy enough to be open. But I thought it was so important to, I told Kate, I said, you know, we're going to have to quarantine from each other, but, um, you know, doing what I do has never been more important because if I can go somewhere and people can go out and be together and laugh and sort of forget everything for an hour and a half or two hours, well, that's more important now than it ever has been before. So she agreed and we went and, you know, I had to quarantine. So we only, for about three or four months we could only sleep in the same bed on Thursdays <laughs> and apparently she thought there were a lot of upsides to that <laughs> but uh but I I found it to be mostly downsides but it was great we you know but now I'm getting to travel like with Portland to places where the audiences are a lot more like-minded and uh my audience is kind of more prevalent there um and so it's been really really uh it's, it's been really, really fun, and it's great. I was just in San Jose in Northern California uh, dealing with those kind of tech people and all of their idiosyncrasies that should read uh, their, difficult, <laughs> their difficulties. Um, but Portland's just a fun, fun, and they have a great sense of humor about themselves, I think in part from Portlandia, but also they just, you know, it's such a fun city, and the people that move there are really a blast. And that's a great club, too, the Helium in Portland, and the Helium in Philadelphia are two of the great clubs in the United States. So I'm very, very excited. Yeah, I remember um, I had Ian Carmel here years ago, who's from Portland, and, and he said 
in Portland, we wake up and ride our bikes to our jobs, which is to make sustainable wind chimes. <laughs> that <laughs> that's so funny. That is right on. And you know, but I think Portland's the only place that would do that and then have a sense of humor about it. Right. Whereas California would be like, well, what are your wind chimes? <laughs> I mean, chimes, they're probably made by you know small Chinese children, not even young children, <laughs> just tiny children that are under the you know the four foot three mark. Mm-hmm. And, and you know that's other that's that's Bay Area kind of thinking. And uh, Portland is much more, um, look, we know it's ridiculous, but this is what we do. And uh, take, your, take your pick of the 550 uh, rideshare scooters that are on this corner alone. Just this. <laughs> so I'll be making fun of that a lot, too. And they always boast, uh, they boast about their bridges, which Pittsburgh has 230-some bridges. Wow. Uh, I don't want you to think about that. And then they boast about their strip clubs, and that's a, that must have been really tough during the pandemic. But I'm going back to the strip clubs. I don't just wear a mask. I wear a full body condom. And <laughs> it's not fun, but also I sweat a lot. So it has its downsides, but it also has its downsides. So I'm excited to sort of get into that this time. I haven't been to Portland in probably two and a half years or something, three years. So that's, that's the other thing I love about this is I get to go to cities that I used to love visiting. Um but, you know, haven't been to in literal years. And so I'm excited about that. I'm actually in Denver right now where we try and make sustainable wind chimes. We have trouble even making wind chimes because we are so high and the weather is so nice. <laughs> Your hometown. A <laughs> couple more questions for T.J. Miller sure. at uh, Portland Helium. You mentioned being down in the uh, the South Bay. It was announced today. Mark Zuckerberg says he's changing Facebook's name, do you have any idea or suggestions for the new name? Yeah, I mean, I, I pitched a couple things while I was in San Jose. <laughs> I went to Facebook headquarters and spoke with him directly. Well, it's hard to speak with him directly because he can't make eye contact. He's so weird. <laughs> so there were mirrors. It was a mirrored room, so I just tried to catch his eyes. Uh, it's right like here. talking to Medusa. It is like talking to Medusa. You cannot make direct eye contact. Otherwise, your snake hair will sort of get ruffled. <laughs> um, but I uh, see. I'm telling you, if I had said that on the other radio interview I just did, they would be like, "Oh, really? So you went? You actually spoke with Mark?" <laughs> and if that's true that he doesn't make eye contact, because you were there, I mean, they just would have been what, like, "What? What town was this radio show being broadcast?" I, from? you know what? I don't want to talk about it because if I get into it, I totally <laughs> tell you exactly who it was, the radio station, all that stuff. So I want to stay away from that. That's an important thing for me not to be too honest. Hollywood has taught me that. Just lie and, you know, grit your teeth and bear it. Um, But, uh, you know, again, as I said, this is all true. I went, I spoke with him in a mirrored room. He wouldn't make eye contact. (laughs) And I pitched a couple of things. One was just book face. I said, you've got it completely backwards, (laughs) so why not just have a name flex that? And then um, I had another one, which was destroyingchildren.com. My um, <laughs> alter destroyinghumanpsyche.com. He wasn't into that. He thought it was too uh. trans. And then, you know, this was just a joke, but I, I pushed maybe renaming it to uh, TikTok, uh, with, but with C's. <laughs> so it'd be T-I-C-K-T-O-C-K. And he just, he had to call... I guess he had to call uh, um, Oh, geez, now I'm forgetting the Napster guy. But he, he had to call him. Oh, uh, Trey Parker. 
No, Sean Parker. Sean that's Parker. Got- Trey Parker's I- South Park. That's right. Yeah, Trey Trey Parker would be a lot more fun to be on the front <laughs> the He has a much better sense of humor about things. Yeah. So I, you know, I said, what, what do you think about TikTok? And then my last pitch was just to say, let's start, let's tear it all down and start from the beginning and just call it MySpace point, uh, three, <laughs> 2.3.0. And he said, well, MySpace didn't do that well. And I said, well, it didn't destroy people's, you know, human psychology. And he said, that's true. But also, I, I didn't make as much money off of MySpace. And I said, you, you owned MySpace? And he ripped off the mask. And he is Tom. He's Tom <laughs> from MySpace. Uh, Tom was actually, some people, the only friend they ever had. Yeah, I know. And I, I, he was my best friend for a while there, <laughs> truly. So I got, I, got another, I got a friend request from Mark Zuckerberg. I don't know if it's the same guy. But I denied it. I didn't want to do that. It was Z-O-O? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Zuckerberg. <laughs> it was the Russian version of Zuckerberg, which is the same. Wow. Yeah, I thought of a suggestion calling it F U, you know what face. Just going with that. Oh, I. Yeah, <laughs> but you spell it out just because it's terrestrial radio. Yeah, I can't say it. F U, you know what? Y O U K N W H A T book. And uh, that's a long one, but at least people will be both, they won't be offended, but they'll know kind of what you're talking about. I like that pitch. I like it too. And then I thought maybe just call it sexism, but without the vowel. So just S-X-S-M, but then that looks too much like South by Southwest. Right, exactly. Or South by Sadomasochism. <laughs> or or Sado by Sadomasochism. But yeah, then you get into the BDSM stuff, that's tough. <laughs> Because they have similar sites with a slightly different uh, directive. Yeah, and I don't know if it's binary or non-binary BDSM, or cis or non-cis. Well, I'm, I've, I've been saying this on stage. I'm just a cisgender white male who wants to uh, have a wife that is transitioning into <laughs> lesbian man who's non-binary and wants to make his way into being a homosexual lesbian male. And then I can get a, a fruitful, happy, gay marriage. <laughs> That's all I've ever wanted. And people say, oh, you know, you don't get it. You don't get what's happening. But I, I found this out. I paid, sometimes it's a joke. I get a manicure and I get French tips. <laughs> so people are like, with very regular nails, but very shiny. And I just found out that now I qualify for being non-binary. And that's true. If you paint your nails as a man, you can say, well, I'm non-binary and this is why. And, you so, know, it's a lot cheaper just to go with a code of clear, I've found. Yeah, and you get all the uh, benefits of being a binary person, which is nothing. I don't think there are any benefits. But you can lord it other, over other people who are uh, gender. I mean, this birth assigned gender stuff is just so old news. This is just so yesterday. So I'm glad that you understand that. And when you see me, and I, I, a lot of people come and see me, and you'll notice something different. It's not the manicure. Um, right now, from the way from the waist down, uh, well, from the waist up, I'm a man with sort of you know what would appear to be very small breasts, but that's more just a lack of working out. And then um, from the waist down, I am a woman, so it's I'm kind of bi-binary, but it's all lateral. Wow. It's a, I thought lateral. you were going to say a centaur for a second. We are out of time, <laughs> but T.J. Miller, who just <laughs> I got to thank him. He just did a whole set for us right here. Check and him out. That, yeah, helium. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. HeliumComedy.com. Get your tickets in Portland. Show tomorrow, two on Friday, two on Saturday. 
And uh, if he's this good on the radio, just imagine him in person on stage. And I, I told you, like, four years ago, I saw you at the comic strip in Manhattan. You were so good. And, uh, oh, thanks, man. Yeah. And I'll be in New York in December. I hope I see you again. Yeah, please do reach out. And I got to tell you, that's so funny. And with that, uh, just when you imagine him on stage, imagine him with a horse body. <laughs> there he is, Close everybody. <laughs> got to have it. All right. Thanks, TJ. Thanks, guys. I love a little tittle. Talk to you guys soon. All right, thank you. Rick Tittle, come on back. This has been the Rick Tittle Podcast on the 8Side Network.